Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So I am absolutely fascinated by all of the new words and phrases, the new COVID lingo that's been created in these past two years. And particularly what I would love to know is like who invented, you know, all of these, these amazing terms. And I'm going to share a bunch of them. And sneak peek, we're going to end on the term hybrid. And we're going to unpack that one later. But let me share a few of these others. These were kind of fun. All right. So before times. I didn't know that that phrase had had come up. It denotes the time before coronavirus pandemic and multiple crises. And clearly, times came up, right? And that's anything March 2020 and thereafter. Uh, COVIDiot, another one of my favorites, mashup of COVID and idiot. Um, coronacation. A coronacation is when you get paid not to go to work and you have lots of extra time at your disposal. Okay, that did not happen for me. This one I had never heard of. Apocabay. The partner you found toward the end of the before times. I'd never heard of that one. Quarantines. You know, everybody heard about that one, right? Antibodies. Antibodies are two friends who have tested positive for COVID-19 antibodies and can hence hang out together. We all heard about the virtual happy hour, right? Okay, quarantini. And it's literally any drink that has alcohol that helps get you through the day and night. Quarantine. We all had a bunch of quarantines. I had three of them in my house. Doom scrolling. Doom scrolling is essentially the process of scrolling through your social media feeds and reading all of the negative headlines. Zoom bombing. Okay, we all heard of that. That's that art of crashing Zoom meetings and creating chaos. And it was typically mischievous students, right? Maskney. Did anybody have maskney? I did. I clearly got that. Okay, so this one was a new one. Emasculation. That is characterized by the delusion that taking steps to limit the transmission of COVID, wearing a mask, social distancing, will diminish your strength, vigor, or overall standing among peers. Hand distinction. Generally, one hand is designated the touching hand, and the other is then reserved for more hygienic purposes, such as Scratching an inch. I had not heard of that. And I did, you know what? Quite honestly, I didn't do that and I should be doing that. Okay, mask mismatch, the social phenomenon in which one half of a couple does not wear a mask in public. Okay, this one I particularly loved. Masky matchy, used to describe a very fashionable person whose mask and outfit are on point together. This other one, and and I never did this and I never heard this, but instead of saying pandemic, you say anything that begins with pan. So you can say panoramic, panini press, pantaloon, palindrome, 
And so, again, you replace that, that horrible word pandemic with something positive. Pivot. I got yelled at by my kids, my, my three quarantines at home. They said, if you use that word pivot one more time, mom, and it's perhaps the most business-related buzzword of 2020. But then we end with hybrid. And it's not necessarily a new term, right? And it clearly has an elevated role in our global society. And from a workplace perspective, it means, hey, what is that new way of working where we're balancing that in-person with that virtual world? So in today's show, we've invited three leaders who are going to help us unpack this term hybrid and what it means. And what they're going to do is they're going to share their best practice and, and advice as to how to navigate this transformational change and hack that hybrid. I'm Sarah Alter. I'm the host of our radio show and podcast, Advancing All Women, and the proud CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women. And I am joined by this incredible lineup of Megan Witherspoon, VP of Communications, Altria Client Services, Tamara Miles, author, speaker, researcher, positive psychology instructor at University of Pennsylvania, and Liz Gulliver, CEO and co-founder of CUNIC. And yes, Liz is back again for a repeat performance. We loved her so much the first time. So um, good morning, everybody. Hey, let's get going. All righty. So um, Tamara, let's kick this off. You had brought up this concept of the third culture. And I think it's so appropriate as we try to figure out, okay, what does hybrid mean and, and how do we hack it? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm so of excited course. to be here with you and <laughs> Megan and Liz. Um, yeah, you know, so back in April when everybody thought, you know, by the fall, we were going to be back at work in some kind of hybrid situation, I started working with a lot of leaders trying to determine and define what that means for their organization. And I really was trying to come up with language and a framework that would help us think about what hybrid could be, right? The really exciting thing about this seismic shift in the way we work is that it creates so many new opportunities to reimagine the role of work in the workplace for societal well-being. And so I started thinking about my experience as a third culture kid. So third culture kid is a term that has been around since the 60s. And it describes the experience of kids who grow up in different cultures that is not their passport culture or where they grew up. And so my experience, I was born and mostly raised in Brazil, but I came to the US as a teenager, then moved back to Brazil, then came back. And so I was familiar with the term and also the lived experience of being a third culture kid. And what that means is the first culture is the culture where you or your parents were born. The second culture is the culture where you live. And the third culture is this culture that you create. It's an amalgamation of the two and it transcends both cultures. And you feel, you know, you have a lot in common with other kids that experience that third culture, even though your lived experience is different, you, you feel a sense of belonging with them. And a lot of the challenges and opportunities are very similar. And so I was thinking about how to help leaders understand 
a culture, the, a, a workplace culture in a hybrid environment. And so this yeah. idea of a third culture workplace really resonated because if you think about the first culture was when everybody was in the office working together. And the second culture is when we had to pivot to go back to one of your terms that you used. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and everybody was everybody my, my kids was are remote. groaning. They're like, oh I know. here she goes again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was, you know, culture didn't cease to exist when we all worked remotely. It just shifted, right? We we still had corporate culture. It was just a little different. And hybrid is an amalgamation of the two. Some people are gonna be in the office, some people are gonna be at work, uh, I mean, um, from home. And so how can we intentionally create, and because culture is going to happen no matter what. And mm-hmm. so how can leaders seize this opportunity to be a little more intentional about what kind of cultures we want to create in this new hybrid world of work? And so the term third cultural workplaces seem to really resonate, you know, and bring up the challenges and opportunities that the third culture kids experience and put the work lens through in, in that experience um, and and see you know what challenges and opportunities does a hybrid culture uh, bring for us? Yeah, and I particularly I'm that glass half full kind of gal, and I and I love that it it creates opportunities, right? And it yeah. um and it's the it, it, the best practice companies that we partner with say, hey, it's the new way of working. It's not the oh, let's go back to work because that suggests we can go back to the old culture. You know, we have to create a whole new culture and and in doing so, it's like tackle the challenges and then it's all about opportunities, right? And so I, yeah, I love I love that reference. Um Megan at Altria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so share with us what unfolded, you know, both for you personally and then also, you know, professionally. Sure. So um, I work at Altria, you know, large kind of Fortune 200 company, traditionally a very office-based type culture. Um, and I would say pre-pandemic for many years, we had talked about the need to have more flexibility and support remote work because there was a lot of interest and demand from employees for it. And we did a number of things to try to encourage it and facilitate it, but it was just really slow going. Um, I think, you know, largely employees, while they wanted that flexibility, they they were nervous about it, frankly, that it would um, that it would somehow, you know, put them at a disadvantage or be looked down upon um, or, you know, kind of lose out on FaceTime and opportunity and that kind of thing. So it was really slow going. And then the pandemic hit and literally everyone you know, at least the salaried workforce largely was sent home overnight. And suddenly we all had to completely adopt new behaviors, new mindsets, new working, you know, skills and, and communication styles and, and everything. And it sort of accelerated us 10 years forward, you know, yeah. and yeah, many of the people who were skeptical of remote, remote work were now having to live it. And recognizing actually yeah. there are quite a few benefits associated with it. And, you know, 20 some months later, we've proven that it works and that's possible and that there are lots of lots of good things, both for a company and for its employees with remote work. So we're still very much in that second culture 
state to use that analogy um, because we haven't yet reopened our offices, but we have determined and um, communicated to our employees that we will be moving to a a hybrid model, kind of an employee driven choice-based hybrid model um, so that once our offices reopen, employees can choose for themselves, you know, when, where, and how they work. So looking forward to getting to that, you know, third culture. And what I think is so exciting about it is we have the opportunity to create it together. It's not, it's not a small subset of employees who are experiencing something very different than everyone else. We are all going to be figuring it out together and not just at Altria, every company right now is trying to figure out what does that next phase look like? What does that third culture look like? Huge opportunity. Yeah. And it's, and, and in the context of the great resignation, right? right. It, it really shifts power. It empowers the employees to say, hey, here are my new expectations. So leaders, let's partner together yeah. and, and figure out what this hybrid looks like. Yeah. You know, clearly. I, I heard this awesome quote last night. You speak about the acceleration of change, right? Like, yeah. you know, we like 10 years, whoosh over a two-year period, right? Um, New, I know, was um, we'd been dabbling, like, and, you know, hey, how do we engage digitally or virtually? And to your point, boom, overnight, like, how to do it, right? (laughs) But um, there's this Jack Welch quote that I heard. If the, the, the pace of change on the outside is faster than the pace of change on the inside in your organization, the end is near. That's good. (laughs) So yeah, so we're going to put that doom and gloom out there, you know, (laughs) doom scrolling, right, as I referenced earlier. But, but yeah, you've got to, it's like, you've got to transform. It can't be about tweaking. It can't be about tinkering. It's like, you have to just outright transform. And 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 as you said, there is no going back. Like, there's no no going back to that first culture. And, no, and it's, also, like, as yeah, oh, no, who, I study and think a lot about resilience, right? And a lot of people right. think of resilience as like bouncing back or bending, not breaking, which is true to some extent. But there are some events in life that there's a, a break and there is a before and an after, right? And so this yeah. is kind of one of those events at a global level. There's a before. So it's not like we're bending, but then we're going back. I mean, there is a break. There is no going back to how things were. It's a break and reassemble. And so, you know, how can we reassemble better? How can we create something better? And so what's interesting about that though is I I think yes, I would also add we all clearly feel that way, right? We're here having a conversation about hybrid. I think that it also takes a lot of awareness that there's a whole large chunk of the population who does not feel that that was a break, who does Mm -hmm. want to go exactly back to Mm -hmm. precisely how things were before. (laughs) And so I, I I don't know that I agree with that statement at large. I agree with it within this group, and I agree with it with probably many of our listeners, but I think a lot of the tension that we're picking up in the workplace. And, and we work with a range of clients from Cameo, who is one of our clients who is, you know, tech everything. They've got a great, their, their work from everywhere phrase is 
fully distributed, highly connected, which I love because it gets at that kind of we're apart, but we're together. And how are we going to keep that? Yeah. Moving? We yeah. also work with some other clients who are much more traditional in terms of the industry, the roles, yeah. the leadership at that organization. And there is a, a big push to go back and they will be going back into the office and they don't expect a lot of it to change. So I think there's, you know, digital adoption curves are not slowing down. They're accelerating. That's mm-hmm. a fact. So whether you're in an office, whether you're hybrid, whether you're remote, that push to digital is true across all of those. Yeah. And I think we're frankly at an inflection point that is as decisive as last year's sudden shift to remote work. And that's this move to digital first, whether you're going to do it hybrid or not. And frankly, I think the part that's really interesting here is that leading out of a crisis is incredibly different than leading into a crisis because we led into a crisis with a rapid sudden shift with no warning, all hands on deck. We're mm-hmm. now leading out of a crisis, which to your points puts a lot of opportunity out there. It is a pivot, yeah. but it also means that there's room for other people to stand up and raise their voices. And that means some people who are, yes, fully on board, sign me up for a hybrid. I want this forever. And I expect my kids to be working in hybrid and a big chunk who's saying, whoa, wait a minute, let's rethink this. Yeah. Maybe everybody is coming back to the office. And we've already frankly seen that between finance going back and, and being exactly. very clear yeah. and very prominent about that. And that's for better or worse, that's a huge chunk of the industry out there, right? Like that, those are big, big companies with big balance sheets with big employee accounts it, saying it, you're it, coming back. But it'd be, and you went exactly where I was going to go, Liz. I love that. It, it, but it'd be interesting to see their yeah. stats, right? So like their employee satisfaction, their turnover, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, um, people yeah. have different expectations now and they have the ability to find new paths and adventures yes. and take a whole yeah. different journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. The way I, the way I've been kind of thinking about where we are, I describe it as we're in this like state of suspended animation where um, you're sort of on the verge of, of the next phase and people are sort of entering it at slightly different paces, but we're going to have this period of time, I think, where there's like a divergence where you'll see some companies going kind of as far back as trying to kind of force the genie back in the bottle and go back to the before times model. You'll have some Mm -hmm. that are going far the opposite direction, work from anywhere, work however, whenever. And then you'll have this whole range in the middle where it's like various kind of hybrid, hybrid styles, if you will. Um, And and so there'll be this divergence and then we're going to see what happens, you know, how people respond to that, which companies seem to really um, accelerate from there and, and really succeed and which ones start to fumble. And then I think over time, you're going to see a little bit of a convergence again. It's sort of like the whole innovation model, like diverge to converge and we'll see kind of how it all goes. And, and I think you'll probably ultimately see a few models that dominate and it might depend, as you said, Liz, on industry or type of work yeah. or what have you. Um, but it, we're just in a really interesting phase, like a huge experiment, like a huge, huge experiment. Yeah. Well, and that I, I love how you said we're going to have to wait and see, because I think that there's a lot of flexibility out there for employees to wait and see and a lot of employee choice. For I mean, we've never seen you mentioned great resignation. Yeah. What's fascinating about the numbers of people leaving right now is never in any point in history of so many people left 
without having another job. And that's a massive distinction, right? That's a huge vote of confidence and optimism that there is a lot out there and I can leave without having a backup. Of course, that's a certain level of privilege and not everybody can do that, but more people are doing that than have ever done that before. So I think employees are going to wait and see. I think for leadership teams at companies, wait and see is a a death sentence. You've got to be incredibly clear about what you're doing. And the clarity might be, this is what we're doing and we expect to change and we'll reassess in two months and we're going to continue to check in with you. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't giving people clarity right now, you're you're dead in the water. And I I think that gets to something that you talked about a little bit, Megan, that I thought was really interesting, which is giving people this autonomy uh, to figure Mm -hmm. it out. And I think there's a there's a balance to be struck between finding what works really well for you and figuring out the collective good. So where is the collective good for my team, for my organization Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. really works for me as an individual? And then on top of that layer is how do we empower managers to have the tools to make those decisions? And I think it goes to a lot of a phrase that we've heard a lot of, we use a lot with our clients is trust, don't track. So you've got to trust your employees, not track every moment of it. Mm, and you've like got to that. trust your managers yeah. to empower them to do this. Yeah. But but you mentioned this earlier, Megan, and I think it's it's a really great point on figuring out where that autonomy is and also figuring out, okay, we want to enable our managers, but what does that look like? What are the skills we need to give them? What? How do we reassess what teams look like? Should they be doing more management than work at this point? Does this team makeup have to shift? I think there's a lot of questions out there about the skills that got you into a managerial position in the before times are not necessarily the skills that you're going to need in the now times. And so how do we upskill and retool those managers is, I think, a a big question of this all, too. Well, and and you see it, too, just in the shift. There was a great article in the Wall Street Journal on, like, the new benefits. Mm. Um, there, there was one, it was a couple of months ago and it talked about, you know, pet insurance and caregiving insurance. And then there was another one, I think it was either yesterday or today. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to pay now for your college, for your kid's college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a company that has like a, a whole like fleet of like camper vans. And so now you and your family can take one of the camper vans oh, out man. on I vacation. Wow. I know. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then yeah. And then David's bridal. That was the other one. This was Oh, I love story. this David's bridal story. This is where good. yeah, where they're like, okay, we couldn't find models. So we went to our employees <laughs> and now we have mm-hmm. our employees modeling. And it was so popular. So again, it speaks to and now they're giving them everything. They're giving them hair, makeup. They're sending people to their homes. I, I David know. Bridal customers don't want to go back to models. They only want store employees. I think it's so cool. They want real. They want real people. But yeah, the, yeah. The point being, it's like you, you can't wait and see, like you said, mm-hmm. Liz, and you said too, Megan. It's but you've got. It's like you've got to innovate. You know. Yeah. You you yeah. have to be thinking well, differently. One of the things, um, Sarah, so you were talking about companies like throwing benefits and reacting and like trying to retain. And one of the things that the data shows really clearly, actually, is that when, when, you know, when surveys ask employees why they're leaving, the two biggest reasons is they don't feel valued by their manager and they don't feel a sense of belonging. Those are the two main reasons why employees are leaving. However, when they ask employers why they think their people aren't leaving, they think uh, we we have to have better benefits and we have to give them more work-life balance. And so so leaders are thinking very transactionally about the great resignation, whereas people want like the human experience to be better. 
You know, they want to feel valued. Yeah. They want to feel like they matter. They want to know how the work they do matters. They want to feel a sense of belonging. And so it's a huge disconnect. And I love that companies are doing like these things and, and fun and, and vans and, you know, modeling and benefits, but also like how can you alter the culture at a fundamental level so that people feel yeah. good about the work that they do mm-hmm. and the people they work with? Yeah. Don't you oh, think that, is- that those those things are interrelated in some ways? Because I feel like if you support your team and trust them to do the work, however, whenever kind of works for them, and give them that flexibility and that trust and that autonomy, and 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 also sh- it's a way of showing that you care about them, and don't just think of them as a a resource, you know, a, a human resource, right. but they're, right. they're people with wives right. that, and they have other priorities that they also care about. I feel like the two are related. So I think much. so. I think one of the things though, is that you can often, even if you're giving that autonomy, that's very clear to you as a manager, but if it's not being communicated to them that I'm giving mm-hmm. you this because I trust you, I respect you. I know. And I think that second half of that conversation is often left unsaid. And that's where you get these questions. And I, I loved that McKinsey study on it tomorrow because it did point out so clearly that transactional versus relational. And I think it's actually one of the places that there's been a huge focus on how we go hybrid. What are the tools? So are you going to be a Teams company? Are you going to be a Slack company? Are you going to be an Asana company? What are the tools? What are our, you know, what are our core hours? What are our no meeting yeah. Fridays? What are all of this? But where we need to go next and the next shift, I think, is okay, now what's the what of work? What is that connective tissue? In a world where everything is tech digital, tech digital, I think it's time to actually really go back to basics and focus on conversations. And I think there's a real opportunity to create that space, to create the psychological safety, to create the opportunity to have these conversations. And it might be as simple as, hey, here's what I've got going on in my home. Let's take 15 minutes and we all talk about it. Or it might be digging into really kind of meteor uncomfortable conversations like how do I show up and talk about race with my coworkers? Because what we know is that traditional approaches to those kind of conversations yeah. have been training and it's been, this is what you do. It hasn't been, yeah. let me talk about my lived experience. And that's where I think to create that sense of belonging, that sense of value, we need to really go back to a very basic level of connecting to your point on a human level as people, because at the end of the day, numbers do not inspire change. The people in your company are going to inspire that change. And we need to create a lot more avenues to have those conversations together. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the biggest switch. This is the perfect segue. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a short commercial break. Um, but when we come back, we're going to get into that how and the what. Like we're going to share with you that advice and guidance and the best practices as to, you know, how you go about hacking the hybrid. This has been incredible. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) I want to thank everybody who's been listening in so far to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Megan Witherspoon, VP of Communications Altria Client Services, Tamara Miles, author, speaker, researcher, and positive psychology instructor at University of Pennsylvania, and Liz Gulliver, CEO and co-founder of CUNIC. And we are talking about how you hack the hybrid. All righty, so let's dig into this. We want everybody who's listening to walk away with, okay, here are those three or four things I as a leader or my organization should be doing to really 
guide us all, right, through this new hybrid experience. Um, Liz, this is what you do, you and your organization, (laughs) CUNIX. So share the pros, the cons, the pitfalls. How should we be thinking about this? Yeah, well, I think a a lot of it we covered in, in the first half of this, which is exciting, and it looks a lot at how to set up structures, how to think about individual contributors versus mm-hmm. managers. When do we come in person? Is that in the office? Is it an offsite? There's a lot of really nuanced questions around there. If you zoom out, though, I think the biggest question that we want to really focus on and not lose sight of, especially, listen, we're here all focused on women, right? That's what this show is on is Amen. who's in those conversations, right? So who who's not on a virtual meeting? Who should be on a virtual meeting? Who's not in the, the room, so to speak, when they shouldn't be in the room? And I think there's a pro and a con of inclusivity. And, and Tamara mentioned belonging. I think there's a pro and a con of inclusivity and belonging when it comes to hybrid which is that we've got a lot more openness. We can potentially attract talent from everywhere if you're going remote and hybrid, but it's also easier than ever to exclude people. It's also easier than ever to kind of say, oh, okay, these people were coming back in. These people just happened not to be there because and make up any reason that you want in your mind. And so I think there's got to be a deep, deep focus on making sure that in this move to hybrid, we're not forgetting that it's all about the people, that this move was to make, first of all, from a pandemic, but second of all, to make things better for people, right? And so I think the the real goal here is to go back. It's time for the conversation around hybrid to take a really human-centric approach and to think about how we create and build much more just awake and aware environments to build the belonging that Tamara talked about and pointed out that Employees, if you're worried about retention, take it to a financial level. If you're worried about attracting the right talent, if you're worried about retention, then you should be focused on belonging because that's clearly what people want. And they're voting with their feet. They're literally leaving Mm -hmm. your office and the workforce Mm -hmm. if they're not finding it. So it's not even a question of, oh, I feel good doing this. It's a question of this is mission critical. And the people who are doing this, the companies who are doing this will excel to the next level and the rest will get left behind. So if you're going to build a more inclusive workplace in a hybrid world, then you've got to have a deep focus on creating awareness, connection, empathy, mutual respect, the things that make people feel valued, seen, and heard. And with our, with our corporate clients, what we've seen is it's really about the exchange of human experiences. Maybe it's via a story. Maybe it's in a group conversation. Maybe it's a listening session that you're creating around an employee resource group. Maybe it's bringing in experts to dive into deep conversations. But it's all about that exchange of very human, conversa- very human experiences because it's those shared experiences for your people, the shared challenges, the shared experiences across every affinity group, across every level of seniority, that's what creates a vehicle for really nuanced conversations. And it's those conversations that really drive change. And I think what we've seen going into this hybrid is that a lot of traditional DI programs, diversity and inclusion programs, made things a little abstract. They kind of overlooked the fact that a lot of this is really at the end of the day about people and took a very training approach. And I think there's a place for that. But what we're seeing now, loud and clear with this move to hybrid, with this great resignation, with the difficulty of attracting talent is that people crave authenticity. They Mm -hmm. crave transparency, Mm -hmm. vulnerability. They Mm -hmm. crave texture in their coworkers, in their direct managers, their direct reports, and especially in their top leaderships. So I think that the, the real goal of hybrid 
is to, you know, shape the way that we interact with others in every situation so that every conversation you're having is bringing more people to that conversation. Every conversation is bringing in new voices. And I think if you approach it like that as a company, there's a real place here to build a deeper sense of that belonging and that connection. But I think it's equally easy to overlook it. It it's it's it like as you were just like so spot on as you were saying it. I'm thinking, okay, well, as a leader, the the you can see how quickly an us and a them could mm-hmm. evolve, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's you know, well, we're the ones that are in the office, and they're the which ones is men. Home. That's what the right. data is showing us, right? And so, literally, yeah. I was sitting here thinking, okay, so as a leader, then I can't decide what's good for them, right? I do have to decide what's good for the business but I can't decide what's good for my employees, but I need to live their experience then to truly understand it. So don't be the leader. That's like, well, I'm going to go into the office five days a week and the rest of you figure out what you're going to do and I'll deal with it. Right. You have to be, well, no, if you're going to be splitting your work week, I should be splitting my work week and I should experience and feel what it's like to work from home and the challenge and the complexity. And then the same with, the challenge and complexity of coming in. And it's like, you have to, you have to role model the experience that your hybrid employees are going to have. Right. So, and you have to give them the space right. to talk about it to get, right. it's interesting. Right. I, I right. was talking with somebody the other day, I, one of our clients and they were saying they're really trying to remove the word soft skill as they talk about manager training. Mm-hmm. And they're saying everything around communication and empathy and blah, 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 has always been called a soft skill. And they're saying, we're now seeing that actually the people with those skills are excelling above the rest. Leadership skills. Yeah, they're saying yeah. we're calling them people leader skills, and it's yeah. skills. I'm so glad because language matters so much. Yes. You've got to change the lens on that. I know. 100%. I know. Oh, I know. So, Tamara, you've got a great framework. I know that you've created that can help to to all the great points that Liz just made. Can help a leader identify. Okay, here's what I need to be thinking about these these mission critical leadership skills, like you just said, Megan, right? Can you walk and talk everybody through it? Because I think it's a great way to guide, okay, here are the things I need to factor in as I'm creating this hybrid experience. And clearly, like what you said, Liz, is it's understanding what's going to work for them and for the business at the same time. But help us walk and talk Yeah, so I love Liz touched on so many of these principles. So as I was thinking about the third culture experience and the challenges and opportunities of being a third culture, culture kid, a lot of the same challenges and opportunities are, you know, companies are facing as they move into a hybrid culture. And so I started thinking about how can I create a framework that will give leaders the right principles to be thinking about that also denotes intentionality around, you know, you you don't have to just be reactive, like you can, you know, create this. And so I came up with the acronym CREATE. And so C stands for community. And it's what we've been talking about, creating that sense of belonging. And it's one of the big paradoxes of this, um, you know, remote and and pandemic experience. So Microsoft released a survey where 70% of the people said they, they want flexibility and they want to stay, you know, remote sometimes, but also 70% of the people said they want a sense of community and belonging. And so it's really you interesting, know. Yeah. you know, to, to balance those two. And so, you know, also this create framework is not prescriptive. It's really about the principles and it's going to be different in every organization, obviously, you know, um, different needs and different uh, numbers of employees, but So community is really important to building that sense of belonging in a hybrid environment. 
Um, so that's the first uh, C and create. So then the R is resilience. So resilience are the skills that we can build to navigate adversity, challenge, mm-hmm. uncertainty, and change. And so, you know, it's so important in the future of work, there's going to be constant change. If, if you're in a hybrid environment and you were just talking about the experience of being in the office some days, from home some days, yeah. I mean, we're, we constantly navigate change. So, so building those skills and creating a resilient organization, Liz was talking about upskilling. So really, really empowering your people with resilient skills. Um, And then the first E is about empathy, which we were just talking about as well. You know, one of the beautiful things that happened in the pandemic is that we all kind of moved into each other's homes. Like I'm in my home right now. You're seeing my office, you know, and we saw each other's kids kind of in the background and dogs barking. And so it just kind of humanized the workplace a little bit. So how can we take that and move forward with it? And Sarah, I love the example that you were saying it's as a leader. I need to role model. I need to live the experience of my employees that are coming. Yeah. You know, my team members are in and out. I can't just say I'm going in every day. So that's exactly yeah. what empathy is. It's how can you make decisions based on an empathetic approach and 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 really feel what your you know colleagues and teammates are feeling. Um, a is autonomy, which we talked a lot about. It's really about trusting your people. Yeah. You you hire the right people, and then you trust them that they're going to get the the work done, right? Um, and so it's really empowering empowering for, for people yeah. when they feel a sense of autonomy. Um, it's one of the tenets of human motivation. The, the challenge for leaders is balancing autonomy with accountability. So really thinking about that balance as you create a hybrid environment and what that looks like for you. And then that leads us to the T, which is transparency and something that Liz was talking about as well. So that is critical. And earlier we were having the conversation about being vulnerable with transparency. I think Liz was talking about admitting that, you know, we're going to try this for a couple months. It may not work. We've never done this before, but let's try it. And then maybe we'll pivot and maybe we'll do it this way. What do you want? So asking people for their opinion, being vulnerable, admitting you don't know, inviting participation and and people to, uh, to make suggestions. I think that also builds a sense of belonging, but really critical to be transparent because people are really anxious about what the future of work looks like. And if they don't get communication, even if it's working on it, but I don't know yet, that's better than no communication at all. And then finally, equity, which is not only about the DEI movement that, you know, is very important and, um, and should continue, but also about equity of proximity bias. So if I have mm-hmm. the choice and I'm choosing to be fully remote, yep. but um, everybody else is high, you know, either fully in the office or splitting their time, how is that going to affect my chances of being promoted or getting a raise? So really trying to be equitable in the experience of all employees, regardless of where and how they're working. So then that forms the acronym CREATE, which is a nice Mm -hmm. framework of principles for leaders to be thinking about as they design this future of work. It it was interesting because I remember in the first couple of months when we all started working remotely, we, we heard a lot of buzz about leaders and companies saying, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back on deliverables. I'm gonna you know give people you know more time 
to complete tasks or projects. And, you know, I'm going to pull back on that stress because we're still trying to kind of figure out how to do our jobs and run our businesses in this new environment. But I feel like that's people have just completely moved on from that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that gets into, okay, well now as an individual, then like they yeah, got, moved I, on to the other end of the spectrum. Right, right, right. You know, so it's like, it's like, we're not no, we're out okay, the window and then let's add more. It's like, it's like yeah, high yeah. priority, you've got no priorities, right? I think we're a little in that yeah. situation. So, so as an individual, that's what I'd love to hear your perspective on because it's like, okay, it, 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 we need to provide that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? But then as an individual, it's like you still need to get your job done. Yeah. Right. What do you oh, guys I, think about that? It's, it's a huge, yeah. We're we're actually doing a training right now for managers on exact. I think it's a lot of, and we keep talking about managers, but it's because I think they're so crucial to this hybrid hybrid work world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what it was, it's so trial by fire, right? It was, I'm yeah. giving a lot of grace. I'm giving a lot of space. And now we've got to move kind of beyond that 101 into a PhD level of, okay, <laughs> what do asynchronous workloads really look like? What does documentation actually look like? How do you efficiently and effectively run a meeting? When should something very much not be a meeting and be done on, and it's got to get down to that really granular level of, and it's, you know, tomorrow you said it, everybody's going to be different, every organization, and frankly, at large organizations, every team within that. But we have got to go so much deeper into what this looks like. And unfortunately, there just aren't that many examples. There's a handful of companies yeah. who have done it and built it and, and been really good at it. And we're, we are developing this training right now for managers at our companies. We just finished an eight-part series with one of our companies that went super deep dive. And it's they actually called it, kept calling it scuba level that we were at because <laughs> we got to get so deep in there of like very clearly, what does this look like? How do we make this work? Again, knowing that you're going to iterate, knowing you're going to change. But to your point, I think it's the workloads, the KPI loads are off the charts. We've seen that. The burnout is staggering and it's crippling and it's going to sink organizations if we do not figure out ways. And that requires going really detailed level in a way that a lot of people don't necessarily want to into. This is what documentation looks like at our company. This is what meetings look like on our team. This is how we're doing this, this, and this. And then, of course, you can abstract and change and adjust from there. But if you don't have a foundation to build off of, we're kind of rocking the ship a lot without having any steady seas to go into. So Megan, talk to Mm -hmm. us about Altria. How, how did it unfold there? Yeah. I mean, we're, and and what is still unfolding, right? Right. I mean, we're in the midst of um, figuring this out along with the whole rest of the world. And I love everything that you all are saying is totally resonating that create model for kind of Mm -hmm. leadership competencies going forward is so spot on and resonates so much. The the only thing I would add to it perhaps, which wouldn't work with your create acronym. (laughs) Um, And it's not really about hybrid work, but it's more about where we find ourselves kind of coming out of a massive global pandemic that kind of changed everyone's worldview is, you know, the, the need to help help employees see how their work aligns with their personal purpose and is fulfilling on a much deeper level than I think people maybe expected work to be in the past. Mm-hmm. As I think the pandemic just That's had everybody totally rethink, um, you know, why am I here? How do I want to be using my time? What really yeah. matters to me yeah. in life? And then how do I make sure that the work that I'm doing accrues to those things um, and is not sort of standing in the way of those things? 
which I think then also gets to this hybrid and, and the need to allow people to have this sort of work-life integration and that, that yeah. feels a little more fulfilling than perhaps what they had in the past. So, you know, at Altria, we're, we're in the midst of, as I said, we haven't quite, you know, opened the offices yet. We will be figuring this out. And Liz, you're right. There's a whole lot of details that have to get worked through and they'll have to be worked through over time. And it's going to be uncomfortable and it will not be perfect. But to me, I see that as really exciting because you can take a test and learn um, attitude right. towards it. Right. You can get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, we're an industry and a company that is in the midst of a huge transformation where we have to approach everything with a test and learn mindset, with a growth mindset, with a, you know, let me try something and we'll see what happens. And so what a great way to practice that if that is literally how you are doing your work um, on a day-to-day basis. You know, there are some people obviously who will have a difficult time with it. And there are some people who, Liz, you said it before, really want to go back to the before times. Um, And, you know, I think some are probably still in a little bit of a state of denial. I think some are probably grieving, you know, a lost way of life. (laughs) Right. that's how they grew up. And that's kind of, they loved that environment and it's, it's gone. Um, and so, you know, we're going to have to be compassionate with one another and empathetic and help each other and kind of be a community, even if we're not all in one place at one time. Um, and, you know, Liz, this idea of equity is one that I think about a lot, particularly as a supporter of women, but also, you know, people of color mm-hmm. who we know mm-hmm. from the stats, those are the folks yeah. who want the flexibility the most. Yeah. And yeah. it cannot become to their detriment at mm. some point. And we have to make sure that we are not recreating problems of the past with sort of a FaceTime culture and an access issue. So if you've got all of the leaders and they all happen to be white men working in the building every day, that's going to be a problem. So we've got to figure out, you know, what do we need to do as an organization? What infrastructure, what guidelines, what, you know, processes, how do we hold people accountable so that we don't do that? And we we intentionally invited Megan and and Altria because they are one of our favorite partners. (laughs) (laughs) And they absolutely, as you can hear, practice what we preach. Yeah. yeah, I want to jump in, Megan. You said something so important, the sense of purpose and feeling that you're doing something meaningful is so critical right now, you know, as the great resignation continues on. Like, I think the role of leaders in, in really connecting what you do to why you do it mm-hmm. um, is so important. So like helping people find purpose in what they're already doing, yeah. not, you know, a lot of times we think of meaningful work as, Oh, I must go now and work for a nonprofit or I must right. leave and but yeah. volunteer, but there is a lot of meaning that can be found in the work that we do every day. And the best way to do that is to, um, connect the work that we do to our values individually, but also mm-hmm. to something outside of ourselves. So when we understand the impact that our work has on the end user mm-hmm. and like what positive difference we're making in the world and how it is that what I'm doing here now ultimately connects to a bigger purpose, mm-hmm. we really can find meaning 
you know, in the work that we do. And I think, you know, some of the issues that that you brought up and Liz brought up with burnout, a lot, you know, goes beyond the interiorization of, you know, I have to be resilient. I have to find meaning in my work. I have to not burn out to like, how can organizations create the context? It has to be more contextualized and interiorized now. And I think organizations and leaders play a big role in that. And peers, right? I mean, it's connected Absolutely. to the work, but it's also, I, I think we've saw, we saw it through this that a lot of people were not coming to work for the kombucha on top and the, you know, yeah. <laughs> the football <laughs> table and all that, right? No, people I were know. coming because yeah. they liked their coworkers. They genuinely right. did. And they want to connect with them as people. And that's getting harder in this setting. And I think it's an uncomfortable thing for companies to think about outsourcing culture, right? That's a weird thing. We outsource checking it, but culture is not kudos on an app it is not a news feed and it is not a pulse survey a pulse survey can get you some insights on culture but it does not a culture (laughs) make and so i think it's probably a time where frankly companies have to outsource a little bit of this because also what we've seen is people don't always feel comfortable when something's hosted through the company right you need to give your leaders the skills yeah your ceo and the c-suite need to be brought in and they need to buy in which are two different things having them there and having them really engaged in it but I think it's a time when we're actually going to have to outsource some of this culture building. And I think we're going to have to get back down to the grassroots level of what are the values? Where do you feel that connection? Is it to the customers? Is it to the work? Is it to the peers? Is it to your direct manager, your direct manager? That's why people leave companies, right? That can make or break your experience. Yeah. So how do we get back at having these conversations, again, across different affinity groups, across different levels of seniority? And I think that's just too awkward to, to your point. We got to get uncomfortable <laughs> being uncomfortable, Megan. And I think that's just too awkward to happen within a company right now. I think there's too much change. I think there's too much shifting. And I think it's a time when companies need to partner with organizations to help do that. Figure out what the right fit for your company is, figure out what the right needs and pain points are. But I think it's a a weird time where culture needs to be revamped and rethought about. And that's culture is what creates that meaning, creates that value, creates that belonging. It's, It's almost like organizational therapy. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Like, think about it. Like, I wouldn't self-therapize. You know, I'd go yes. to a therapist. And we're, yes. we're now our 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 organization is our culture. Our cu- culture is our organization, and and we all need to go through therapy. Oh my gosh, this was like a great <laughs> conversation. Um, okay, I wish we had more time. I'm so sorry. Um, thank you so much, all three of you, and to our listeners. Um, you can find out um, all about all the great work that both Tamara and Liz um, can um, provide to you. They, hey, they can come be your organizational therapist. <laughs> um, rebrand. And, and, yeah, and Megan's just awesome. You can find her on LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. No, but um, thank you so much to all three of you. I, I loved this conversation. And, hey, thank you to everybody who listens in, and particularly today, Um, And thank you, Voice America. Um, You have given me and New this great opportunity to shine the spotlight on amazing leaders like these three individuals today, but to also share our voice and our mission with all of you. So join us next week, and we're going to cover an interesting topic. It's how do you acclimate to the U.S.? You're an expat or an immigrant. And you're coming to the U.S. And somebody had shared with me, it's like another form of a diverse community. And so I'm super excited to cover that. 
to learn more about New and to listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.